0: God, I pray that you give us ears to hear today, eyes to see, hearts with fertile soil, minds to comprehend, feet that want to run with obedience. ask that your word um, would bring transformation, that you would bring transformation to our life today, that I wouldn't get in the way, that our attention spans wouldn't get in the way, but we would be able to focus, be transformed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said a little bit ago, I have recognized that the more that I get to spend time with Jesus, that sin just isn't in my actions, but sin is deeply rooted in my heart. Um, It's kind of sobering and freeing, to recognize how deeply sin is rooted in my heart, because then it's not about how good I can become, but it's all about Christ. Now, dare I say this, that I have seasons where I've read the Bible not to connect with God, but only based upon the rules of being a believer. Anyone ever been there? Dare I say that there are days that I talk to people about Jesus but it's as if I'm doing it independent of Jesus. I'm doing it by myself. Anyone ever been there? Dare I say there have been many days that I pray only to give myself the obligatory gold star to my conscience. Anyone ever been there? Dare I say that there have been days that I only talk to God because I have to have a need met. Dare I say, there have been many times that I give out of the duty more than I trust in God. See, the more that I get to spend time with God, He reveals to me the intentions of my heart, but His mercies are more. See though, on the outside, On the outside, what it appears to be is that everything is right. I read the Bible daily. I witness to others about Jesus. I pray. I give. Look out for some orphans and widows. Yet I recognize that it's much deeper than the action. There have been many seasons where I recognize that my actions appear pure, but there isn't a deep connection with the Father in my heart. If I'm honest with myself, there can be seasons where I'm very rebelli- rebellious, though the actions are there. Right? Isaiah 29:13 tells us this. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So growing up within the church, we have been taught very basic biblical principles. And even if you come to me with a problem in your life, there's three questions that I'm going to ask you essentially is, are you connecting with God through prayer? Are you connecting with God through daily worship? And are you connecting with God through his word? And usually what ends up happening is most people say that they're not connecting with God in those areas. But what's happened is as the American church or as you are raised in the American church, or maybe church in general, there is this idea of you have to do those things to get into heaven. You have to pray, you have to read your Bible, you have to Reach out to people, and um, it becomes this weird area of you only do it because that's what the Bible told you to do. Now, look, would I rather you do something biblical than to just be rebellious and completely sin? Of course, I'd rather I'd rather you sin by doing something godly than to sin by doing something non-godly. Right? Amen. <laughs> but we can do we we can sin. Um, I think we can sin while still doing a God thing. And we're going to learn that today because the things that we do in this life are not based upon the action alone, but it's based upon our heart. So maybe there's times that we come to church and we tithe, and we feel really good about just giving, and we walk out of here just feeling great, but it wasn't for God. It was actually we were giving for us. We're giving for us because then we can feel good about it. See, Jesus is telling those on the mount that loving God goes far deeper in the person than just an action. Jesus doesn't want our worship to be based upon human rules we have been taught. Jesus wants our inner being, our thoughts, our heart, our motives to all be completely infatuated with him. So when we came in here today, um, what was the motive of why we came in here? What was the motive of why we raised our hands? What was the motive of why we gave or tithe to the church? What was our motive of why we served last Wednesday? Again, what Jesus is trying to get to, he's trying to let um, those who are religious know that it's not about an outward appearance, but there is a much deeper purity we as followers are to strive for. As believers, we are, his mercies are more, but we are to still strive for purity each day. So today's scripture Um, kind of reiterates what King David said in the book of Psalms. Psalms 24, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Now we understand there's one person that could... ascend that hill. And that perfect person was Jesus. He was the only one that could do it with clean hands and a pure heart. But what is important as believers is we, too, take this seriously. We are to take purity and a pure heart seriously. Today's scripture teaches us that lust is deadly and lust is expressed through our eyes, mind, and hands. It also goes much deeper today than just lust. It's about a heart condition. So if we want to best battle against lust, we need to do these three things in Scripture today. We must first protect our eyes, protect our heart, and protect our hands. All of us have to protect ourselves against lust. Now, lust isn't only against the flesh, right? There's many things that people can lust after and covet after. I know the first tendency is to... um, think very specifically out of the Scripture today about adultery, so we will talk about sexual lust today. So Matthew 5, verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So today we have to protect our heart first. We're specifically here for the next moment. It's going to sit with verses 27 and 28. So I'm just going to read them one more time. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Come on. We've been Generally taught, do not commit adultery in the sense of don't go commit the physical action. And what Jesus is trying to tell those who are sitting there with him that day is it is much deeper than the physical action within itself. So Jesus is saying, I just don't want a group of people who will become robots that only honor the word with their actions, but he wants people who are going to honor the word with their hearts, deep inside their thoughts. So the people who were there understood that adultery, physical adultery, was horrible. Um, So Jesus started by quoting the Old Testament command in Exodus 20 and Exodus, um, sorry, in Deuteronomy 5, you shall not commit adultery. So Jesus tells them that. Now, to them, they're like, okay, buddy, like, we understand that. So in Jewish culture, they were often taught, do not steal one's wife. And um, so they understood that it was against the rules to have any sexual relationship outside of your marriage or within someone else's marriage, right? So maybe you're not married yet. You can't go step into someone else's marriage. They understood that. This command was extremely serious, even to the point of one being killed for their adultery. Now, adultery is a very serious offense, and it complicates many areas of life. One author suggests that adultery is um, when someone turns away from a promise, When you commit adultery, this is what happens. You turn away from a promise. It leads to chaos in you and other people. It is secretive and dishonest. It destroys the adulterer. It damages society, and it hurts children. That's what physical adultery does. Now. Physical adultery does that. But guess what? Adultery within your heart and your mind does the same stuff because your heart becomes divided. Your mind becomes divided. So it's important to understand that adultery makes a mess and is subject to judgment. Right? Physical adultery is subject to judgment. You guys would agree, right? Right? participating. I only saw like one head nod. Physical adultery is subject to judgment. What Jesus is saying is adultery in your thoughts and in your heart is also subject to judgment. So what that means is I have to control my thoughts. I have to control my heart. So then you say this, not making light of any situation. We have a room full of adulterers. Don't tell me you've never lusted, haven't lusted after something. So it's important to understand that adultery makes a mess and is subject to judgment. But Jesus was telling them that their actions of adultery are not the only thing that are subject to judgment. That even their hearts towards someone else are subject to judgment. Judgment. Adultery is a matter of the heart. So when you lust after someone in your mind, your heart is turning away from a promise. When you lust after someone, it leads to chaos. When you lust after someone, it is secretive and dishonest. When you lust after someone, it destroys the offender. When you lust after someone, it damages society and it hurts children. See, many people, that, many people think that adultery happens when you cause, sorry, many people think that when you cause someone to lust after you, it's also adultery. Now, that's interesting. One theologian suggested this, that even making the opposite sex think about you sexually or emotionally is adultery because it is pulling them away from their marriage covenant. So you're like, well, no one lusts after me because I'm not that pretty or handsome. What about the work conversation that you had? Right? What about sitting around the lunch table and the work conversation that you had, that you gave them the little flirting eye. And while you didn't say anything sexually, you didn't tell them they look good. You didn't look at their butt or their biceps. All you did, all you did was make a smile at them and you knew that that was a smile that you shouldn't have gave. That's adultery. Because there was something in your heart that was leaving the covenant that you have. What about the the things that we wear? Causing others to step out of their covenant. The looks we give. The jokes we make. Now, I talked to an older man a couple years ago. It was an interesting conversation. Um, One of the first times I ever sat down with him, loved the guy. And when we were having this conversation, he said, Joey, um, I don't lust after women anymore. I just want to know that I still got it. I just want to know that like, if I needed to pick up a girl that I could, right? (laughs) Okay, kind of came out of nowhere too. Now, um, what was interesting is um, what he said is so I won't lust, but what I will do is he said, I may look at a woman a certain way to get a reaction. <laughs> Today's such a sensitive subject, I'm just hesitating, being like, can I, get a, can I get a participating church? I don't have all the time for marriage counseling. We'll be coming in here for group sessions. What this guy was doing is he was saying, I'm not lusting anymore, but he was justifying. I just want to know that I still got it. So he'd look and he'd say things to get a reaction. And that moment that he positioned himself that way towards that woman was what? Adultery. Because it is in his heart He was divided against God's rules of covenant. Now look, did he commit the action of adultery? No. Did he go sleep with this woman? No. Has he slept with other women outside of his marriage? No. But is he still committing adultery because of his divided heart? Yes. Now look, as I say this, this is hard stuff today, isn't it? But my sin may be great, but his mercy is more. So remember that as I'm sharing that today. Our sin may be great, but his mercies are more. Now, but his, mer- his mercy doesn't just want to keep us there. His mercy wants to move us from glory to glory, which means we don't remain in our sin, but then his blood conquers our sin. Right? So we don't remain there. Sometimes people just think that his mercy is there just to keep on letting us sin and never pursue righteousness. No, his mercy is there to set us free from sin and death. Amen? So what I saw in this um, older than me guy's life was that he was deceived by the fact that he thought that he wasn't sinning because he wasn't committing physical adultery. Lust is completely selfish, and it's all about the person's own interest and pleasure. But what we really need is this, is is, is we need a generation, we need a church, we need godly men, and we need godly women who will have God's perspective. Because look, women in here today are like, come on, preach it, pastor. Someone say it to my husband, someone say it to the boys at the church. I've heard some weird stuff out of women's mouths too. Right? Nevertheless, we need more people with Job's perspective. Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. We need that perspective in the church. When you look at culture today, what is culture driven by? Sex. And maybe it was... Um, driven by that years ago, too. Who knows? But now it's all over everything. You have devices that you can pull it up on. And statistically speaking, someone this week has used their device for something they shouldn't have. And what God would say is our sins may be great, but his mercy is more. Amen? But sex is everywhere. We need to make covenants with our eyes not to look lustfully at the opposite sex or anything. Amen? So the unavoidable truth is our heart might be able to fake man out, but it cannot fake God out. That's what God's getting at. The unavoidable truth is God has a standard for you and I. Therefore, the unavoidable truth is we must guard our hearts against lust and adultery at all costs. Are we doing that today at all costs? Please don't hear works gospel. I just want to, I guess what I want you to hear is a heart that wants to sit at the Father's feet and walk in communion with Him in everything. So, in other words we also must protect our eyes because we have to avoid lust and adultery at all costs so that's why jesus proceeds to say this in verse 29 if your eye sorry if your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and throw it away IT IS BETTER FOR YOU TO LOSE ONE PART OF YOUR BODY THAN FOR YOUR WHOLE BODY TO BE THROWN INTO HELL. AND IF YOUR RIGHT HAND CAUSES YOU TO STUMBLE, CUT IT OFF AND THROW IT AWAY. IT IS BETTER FOR YOU TO LOSE ONE PART OF YOUR BODY THAN FOR YOUR WHOLE BODY TO GO INTO HELL." JESUS IS TELLING US THAT AT ALL COSTS, WE MUST PROTECT OUR EYES FROM SIN AND LUST. WE MUST PROTECT OUR BODY AND OUR SPIRITS FROM SIN AND DESTRUCTION AT ALL COSTS. That's extreme measures, right? Well, we have to remember, God is not not a sinful person. God is a holy God. He's a perfect God. So he's allowed to have a standard. Jesus does say some pretty unique things, doesn't he? Hate your father, hate your mother, hate your brother, hate your sister. That's pretty unique, right? Now, to make sure that We don't take that out of context. Jesus isn't saying, again, go punch your father or mother in their face. What he's saying is you have to have me in a far distinct place. A distinct, distinct place in your life that everything else pales in comparison. You guys hear me say that often. But right here he's saying, hey, if something is causing you to sin, get rid of it. So what if that means you're at a job and you're making six figures at this job, but a coworker that you work with is always flirting with you, often making you think lustful thoughts and putting you in weird positions. What is God saying probably to do about that job if you can't change your heart? Get rid of it. What if your iPhone is causing you to sin? Because we already know the androids are making you sin. We just already know that. So if, you're, if your iPhone is causing you to sin, what do you do? What's scripture telling you to get rid of? Take extreme measures and do what with it? Get rid of it. What if your TV is causing you to sin? Get rid of it. Jesus does have some extremes because he wants us to get rid of it. Why? Because it's better for us to lose a little bit right now than to lose our soul. Amen? Jesus is telling us at all costs to protect our eyes from sin and lust. Matthew 6, 22 through 23, we'll get to this in a couple weeks. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So what you put in your eyes has the opportunity to feed your heart. So the things that you look at, look, if you drive past a car dealership every day, you just start... Lusting after the Corvette, you're gonna find a way to buy that new Corvette, right? Or just whatever, the Camaro, or I'm trying to, the Volt, how about that? Trying to think of a cheaper car. Um, You're gonna find a way. Even if it's a used car, you're gonna find a way. Or the new purses, or the new earrings. But how about this? When you're um, shopping, when you're at the malls, when you're at an amusement park, when you're at work, just because people don't know what you're looking at doesn't mean that your heart is pure before God. And what we feed in our life will grow. If we wanted to do an experiment, we could. We could put one plant over here and we could water it weekly. We could put a plant over here and never water it. Which one's gonna live? The one that we water, the one that we feed. So our eyes feed our soul. So what we feed ourselves with is going to grow, amen? We know this, look, this is fairly basic today. Today's likely just a reminder. See, we can lust without our eyes, too, right? You don't have to be able to see to lust, but our eyes certainly make it a whole lot easier. Since our eyes are the lamp of our body, Jesus is telling those who are there that it is paramount that we take sin seriously, that we take what, what we consume with our eyes seriously. The things that we can look at can lead us to sin, And what does sin lead to? Death. Therefore, we are to take sin so seriously that that we are willing to get rid of anything that keeps us from loving him. Now, I'm not going to ask you guys today what your specifics are, but is there anything in your life right now that you're aware of that's keeping you from loving God, participating church? Raise your hand. You have some things in your life that you're like, I know that this is keeping me from loving God. Okay, thank you. What this scripture is encouraging us in is we have to get rid of it. We have to get rid of anything that keeps us from loving him. Maybe it's our job. Maybe we just work too many hours. Just like, man, I work like 120 hours this week. I didn't have time to read my Bible. What would Jesus rather you do? He'd rather you be in poverty and to know him than to be rich and never have time for him. Amen. See, because, yeah, we have to take it seriously. What Jesus is telling us is that it is far better for us to lose part of our body than it is for our whole body to go into hell. So does this mean that we are to poke out our eye? None of us would have eyes in here, right? Well, there is this unique story, um, true story, about this guy that um, read this scripture, and he took this scripture very seriously. So what he ended up doing seriously is um, he castrated himself. Funny, not funny, like serious, he did that. He did it. Yet after castrating himself, the lust did not go away. What did he conclude? That he might not have interpreted the scripture appropriately. Well, what's interesting about that is he actually did interpret the Scripture appropriately. Get rid of anything that's causing you to sin. But he didn't cut off the right thing. (laughs) Sin is not within the hands. Sin is within the heart. Amen? Castrating himself didn't change his heart. Poking out your eyes are not going to change your heart. Cutting off your feet is not going to change your heart. And see, you and I within ourselves cannot change our heart. See, what's interesting is victory over lust only comes from a heart that is circumcised. Deuteron- De- Deuteronomy ten sixteen. circumcise your hearts. Therefore, do not be stiff-necked any longer. Deuteronomy 36, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants, that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. What has to happen is God has to do a work in us. God has to um, give us a new heart, amen? It's not by our own doing, it's all about him. Yet what's interesting is that just because it's all about him doesn't mean we can't give a good effort. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find What we often get stuck in is people ask God to take a sin away from them, and they ask and they ask and they plead, but there's never any seeking, right? He can't even tell us warmer, warmer or colder because we're not seeking, we just stand there. What we want him to do is to do everything completely. Hey, God, just change my free will. Take this desire away from me. Ask, God, I'm struggling with this area in my life. And then seek it out. Amen? And by what seeking would mean is the next day that you go to work, you cut off anything that keeps you from loving Him. You don't make that joke at lunch. You don't sit next to that person. You guard, you get on some horse blinders, right? And you guard your eyes. You don't make the jokes so that you feel cool about yourself. That's seeking. What good is it for you to ask God to take away lust and then the next day go lust, and the next moment go lust? Seeking means you take a step towards him. So for those of you who are dealing with lust today of the opposite sex, that means when you leave church today or even when you get out in the commons, look, I kid you not, church people are interesting. You'd be having meetings with church people and you're just looking at like, dare I say, not not from this church, You'd be having meetings with church people at coffee or lunch, and you'd just see them gawking at people. You're like, I know this isn't the reason why we met here today, but now I know something else to pray about. Like, you're so out of control, you can't even politically control it. We must seek it out. So, when we leave here today, those who are dealing with it, that means that you have to make an attempt to say, God, I'm gonna keep my eyes up. I'm only gonna look to you. We must ask and seek out these answers. But the uniqueness is a new heart can only be had when we're born again, amen? That's it. The new heart is offered to all who will believe. Every one of us. Any individual, anyone who wants to have that new heart today can have it. John 3, 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Whoever believes in him. So Jesus says we must protect our heart, we must protect our eyes, and now we need to protect our hands verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus here reiterates how important it is to rid ourselves of sin. He moves from our eyes to our hands and if our hands become a stumbling block to cut them off. Why won't you get rid of your iPhone? Why won't you get rid of your computer? Why won't you get rid of that cable subscription? Why won't you get rid of that job? See, there's gonna be people who say, it's not hurting anyone, it's not affecting anyone. But the unwillingness to get rid of something talks about a heart condition before God that's rebellious. God can transform that heart, but a rebellious heart might not be a rebellious heart um, because the heart is deceitful above all else. We might not be who we think we are if that's what we keep on doing, amen? I remember earlier on in marriage, um, Macy and I, um, she was going to nursing school, so I was just like, hey, um, today's my day off, I just want to like, not think about anything. I want to go numb because I'm tired. So while she's studying, I'm just gonna go play video games. That's what she said. Or that's what I, that's what I said, that's what I decided. So Macy came to me, she's like, hey, like, boy, you just in there playing video games like you're 14, <laughs> Like, you're, you're married now, will you be a man? Like, will you do manly things, like go learn how to put on a windshield wiper or something? And I'm like, offended by it. Now, within our marriage, guess what I ended up doing? Getting rid of the video games. Now, I still had the video game console, so now it's just a glorified DVD player. Um, Expensive DVD player, right? But for me, it was worth it to get rid of anything that was keeping Macy from loving me, right? And it's not that she was not loving me, so please don't hear me being critical on her. It was appropriate. So why is it that I will get rid of something that keeps Macy and I from interacting with one another, but then when it comes to God, I slow down a whole lot more? You know, God was just probably using Macy to say, hey, buddy, you spending eight hours a day um, on your day off playing this video game. Will you connect with me? but we get rid of the things that's keeping us from loving God. So if it's our hand, get rid of it. Our hands follow what the heart is directing. Amen? What Jesus is getting at is the heart is enticed by the eyes, and the eyes will guide the hands. But the hands follow what the heart is directing. Amen. Out of the mouth overflows the what? Heart. Our hands will do what our heart is directing. So a pure life will possess a pure heart that denies the flesh to align with God's will. Are we serious about seeking and partnering with God's with God in purity? Righteousness is important. I often think about um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Genesis 18, where Abram is bartering with an angel. Or really, God. So he's bartering with God, and God's getting ready to destroy Sodom. And while he's there, he's saying, well, well God, well, hold on. What if there were 50 righteous people? Would you spare the city? Yeah, I'd spare the city. Well, what if there was 40? Would you spare the city? Yeah. What if there was 30 righteous people? What if there was 20 righteous people? What if there were 10 people that were pure before you, that were willing to live for you and cut off and poke out anything that kept them from loving you? Would you spare the city? God said, yeah, I would. What if there, what if there was just a few righteous people? Would you spare the city? He said, I would. At night, an angel then comes and says, Get out of the city, for God is going to destroy it. There's such a blessing that comes with those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. See, God would have spared a city of 800 to 1,200, a host, so essentially mechanics bird, for just a few righteous people. So if that's what God would do for a few righteous people, what would God do for a church full of righteous people? What would God do for a nation full of righteous people? See, but over the past years, we, or past several years, we've just been so sexualized and driven by technology that people have been so distracted, and our attention spans are barely greater than a goldfish, and we can't stay focused on one thing. And what ends up happening is we're not connecting with God in a deep way to walk in the authority that He gives us with righteousness. We're not really pursuing it, we're only politically putting it on the outside. So we must. A pure heart will possess, um, a pure life will possess a pure heart that denies the flesh and aligns with God's will. Will we be serious about partnering with Him in purity? It's okay to experience some loss here because we denied our flesh that's ephemeral. So look, you become the guy that's made fun of everywhere you go because you have a flip phone. Okay, God bless you. It's better to experience some loss here because this life is ephemeral. But it's not okay to lose our eternal life with Christ. Amen? It's not okay to experience loss that's eternal. Now again, we're not going through today's message or the, this series as a way to make us feel horrible. I hope that's not what you're hearing today. I hope that you're hearing is we need to become more desperate for God to give us a new heart, to renew us each day, that his mercies would be renewed each day. We are going through this series to help reveal to us that God is gracious God is kind, but yet God still has a standard, and we are to pursue purity in all that we do. But even in our best attempts, we fall short. What Paul says is, Paul says, you know, he's he's the greatest sinner of them all, but he also says that he lived life with a clear conscience. Do you have a clear conscience today with how you're leading? how you're loving, how you're pursuing purity? Or do you know that there's areas that you've just let down, dropped? Let's live with a clear conscience because you can live and lead and guide and love a whole lot better when we have that clear conscience. (laughs) So even in our best attempts, we fall short. So instead of wrestling with what we want, we simply need to fully surrender to God. Amen? What's keeping the whole church today um, from repenting, because there's areas we need to repent of, coming up here and responding to him and living for him fully? What's keeping you? pride, some conversations at work, um, money, what's, what's keeping us? We're blinded right now. The American church, I feel like, is so blinded by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that we really don't even know what's up. It doesn't mean everyone in the American church but we need to fully surrender again. There needs to be a purity movement within this nation again. Repentance needs to happen again. Um, I don't remember exactly how Mark shared repentance yesterday. How did you share that we're turning from death and then we're turning to life in Christ or how did you say it? Yes, so we, we leave the thing that's destroying us and we turn to the thing, Christ, that's giving us life. That's repentance, amen? Our nation needs to come alive to the need of repentance again because what we're doing is we're heading in the path of destruction and we don't care and we don't realize it, right? Amen, anyone? Anyone? So how do we fully surrender to God today? How do we do it? We remember where our lust will lead us. Where will it lead us? To death. And where does death lead us? To hell. We find the root of all of our rebellion. And that's typically that God is not enough for us. You know, whenever we rebel, it's because God's not good enough for you. It's not good enough for me. I want God and something else. It's only God. There's no God and. So we find the root of our rebellion. We get rid of the things in our life that are causing us to sin. Right now. Today. In this moment. The longer you wait, the harder it becomes. Macy and I are sifting through some of um, the stuff that's just from like junior high or high school. And you create a pile and you're like, oh, this is a cool t-shirt. I was, um, I was in Berg's FBI, right? This shirt's all jacked up, you know, like I cut it up and wore it really cool, but I was in Berg's FBI and it was a program for um, the high school that was fighting Berg's issues. So what would happen is it would just be peer-on-peer mentorship. I'm like, Why am I keeping that stupid shirt? I'm never going to wear it again. But the longer, you keep, the longer you keep it, the harder it is to get rid of it. The longer we keep our mess, the longer we linger with our mess, the harder it is to be to get rid of it. So get rid of your mess today. Offer that mess to Christ today. Your fleshly desires are not the most important thing in your life. Remember that, Jesus is. So I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but it's not about us becoming Christians and people that strive. It's about people who continually grow in the understanding of God's mercy, his blood, and his love for you and I. That because of his love and his mercies, we want to get rid of everything that keeps us from loving him. Amen? It's not about striving. It's about asking God to renew our hearts and give us a new heart today. It's about picking up our cross and denying ourselves each day. It's not about trying to become better, fighting to become better, we're going to keep on, there's going to be small battles that we lose, but Jesus is going to ultimately win the war in the Christian's life. But it's about getting to this place where we recognize, God, I've fallen short again, and I need you again. Renew my heart. Fill me up with your spirit. Amen. I don't know, Rob, if you can just come play some piano, we're going to give the opportunity for people to have um, conversations with God today. Out of this deep desperation of God, I need your mercies today. I need a new heart today to keep me from sin that so entangles us. to humbly say, God, I've been dealing with certain things in my life that I just can't seem to break. Give me a new heart. So I'm going to pray, and I just want you guys to respond um, as you feel led. Father, we need a new heart. I need a new heart. Actually, Father, I believe that um, many of us in this room have the new heart. Father, I thank you for the new heart that you've given me. But um, there's the battle with flesh and um, and you. So I pray that that you would speak life to my, my new heart again today. That you would speak life to our new hearts again today, Father. That we would come up and we would turn from destruction and we would turn to life once again. Father, even the simplest things of destruction that's in our life, we don't want that. Maybe it's just what people think of us. Maybe it's that even in this moment we want to respond, but we don't want to respond, but we do want to respond, and we're just conflicted with, like, responding because we think it will be embarrassing. Father, may we just throw that away. Help us get rid of everything that keeps us from loving you in this moment. Help us be aware of how evil lust can be and that lust is a physical action, Father, but lust is within the heart. So, Father, I pray that we wouldn't be a church that goes through the motions, but we would be a church that wholly surrenders to you. So, Father, I pray that clearly not crafty words, but I do ask, Father, out of desperation, out of recognizing that um, we cannot jump that bridge, that you would do something today. Father, that you would um, stir up our soil, give us fertile ground. Father, I just ask that you would do something powerful in our life in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys want, I want you guys to respond. God, I need you. I need a new heart. I need my heart to be um, refreshed. Whatever you're dealing with, I believe Jesus wants to meet it today. And action leads to change. Father, I thank you for the freedom that you present. I ask that you would meet us today, tomorrow, and if we wake up the day after that, Father, that your word would transform us today. Father, I thank you for your wisdom you were willing to address to us our heart condition, because you care about Father, you care about us so deeply. You don't, you desire that none would perish. Father, sometimes perishing is just even the horrible feeling in those moments. So I thank you for the freedom that you present. I pray that we would walk in that today. Father, I pray that we wouldn't beat ourselves up. I pray that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy this week. That you would give us wisdom from heaven. Father, that, that your seeds would land on fertile ground. Father, I do pray for those who are specifically dealing with lust this week. That you would allow allow the individuals to feel the heartbreak that you feel for the individuals they're lusting after. Father, may people feel the emotions that you feel about the hot pursuit and love that you have for them. May we have a glimpse of your eyes this week, Father. May we have a glimpse of your heart towards people this week. And Father, um, I pray that we would all sense the purity movement that you're asking us to step into, not just in our actions deep within our hearts. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.